What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say uh, go Bills. What is going on, Buffalo Fanatics? How are you guys doing? Grace and peace, my brothers and sisters. You are now tuned into another episode of Rated Rev, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the business master tax on nothing but the best network, bringing you the best in Bills content. It is the Buffalo Fanatics Network, baby. Smash that like, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, and then go to supportbf.com and follow us on all of our social media platforms. I am so excited to be here with you guys again another week. Bills versus Pats, Gillette Stadium, New England Patriots. The Bills have had their number for the past several years. And I expect nothing but the same going down this Sunday. But before we get into all of that, I need you guys to drop in the chat where you all are watching me from. This is the roll call, baby. Let me hear it. And then while we're doing that and getting prepped and getting ready, let me drop a little bit of background music, man, just to kind of set the mood a little bit. If y'all feel me, there it is. There it is. Let's turn this thing up another notch, baby. Let's turn it up another notch. Where y'all at? I see Benny Johnson asking me where I'm from, where I'm at. I'm in East Texas, Benny. East Texas. Northeast Texas. Just a few hours east of Dallas, Texas. Small little country town. You probably wouldn't even see it on the map. That's where I am. But where y'all watching me from, baby? As we guys get excited and get ready and ramped up for this game against the New England Patriots tomorrow, man. I'm ready for it. Also... Lead off question for the show, and I need you all to drop your comments in the chat as well. Let me know. We're going to talk about it live. Who should the Buffalo Bills make a trade for ahead of the deadline? Trade deadline October 31st. Who should be on the Bills' radar? Or maybe you think that the Bills don't need to make any moves. You're content with what we have right now. I don't know if many feel that way, but if you do, drop it in the chat. We're going to discuss it live right now. I am excited about it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. I see a lot of people coming in here. What's up, Kim Cam? King Cassidy. What's up, Rev? What's good? What's going on? John Ritchie coming in from Dublin, Ireland. What's going on, John? I appreciate you, man, for watching all the way overseas, baby. I've got Kevin in here from Hartford, Connecticut. What's going on? John, all the way from Rochester, New York. What's happening? King Cam says he's from Ohio. What's good? Bills fan 1970, Maple Falls, Washington. J. Cole, what's good, Rev? Connecticut to New York. What's happening, baby? I'm so glad you guys are watching. Kim Betts, watching from Oxford, New York. You know what, Kim? I'm surprised you didn't you didn't you didn't say like from uh from nowhere in New York. I'm always used to that. My man Silas coming in from Jersey. What's good, baby? What's good? Alpha, Rob from Jersey as well. Benny Johnson watching from Western North Carolina in the mountains. 
That's what I'm talking about. I already see you guys dropping names in the chat for who you think the should go ahead and and acquire or go after it ahead of the trade deadline. I like it. I like it. We're going to talk about it here shortly. I've got my man DMX, or Lady DMX, from Fresno, California. What's good? Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Pierce Reed. He says, yo, we're getting linebacker from Denver. All right, we'll see. We are going to see. I got my man Rich Kidd, Monticello, Florida. What is going on? JT coming in from Springfield, Massachusetts. Who else do I got? There it is. There it is. Big kid style. Olean, New York in the house. I love it. Panatha says, yo, from Rico country here. Oh man, so you must be, you must be uh in Canada. In Canada, eh? I've got no way. No way. Andre says he's from El Paso. What's good, baby? Out there, yo. We just lived there for the past five years and just moved to East Texas here this past summer. Man, we missed each other. What's happening? My neck of the woods, El Paso. Shout out, man. Shout out to you. And shout out to everybody right now, man, who is live in the chat. So glad to be here with you guys again. It's another week. You know how we get down. So, first order of business. We've got to go back a little bit. I know it's Saturday, and I don't like to hash. I don't like to to get too far in the weeds as far as, like, the last game and how all that transpired, but I got to talk about it a little bit. So the Bills came off of a weird win against the New York Giants, who many believed, including myself, that the Bills were going to just beat the you-know-what off of these guys. Coming off of... Their loss in London to the Jags. There's no way the Bills should 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 lose that game against against the Giants, right? I mean, come on now. They had a laundry list of injuries. The team is bad. Bills should wax it. You know what I'm saying? But it didn't happen. What happened? The Bills came out with the win, but they escaped. Narrow victory down to the wire, literally down to the wire. And if not for a defensive holding by Teron Johnson, you already, y'all already know it was holding. They probably would have scored a touchdown and won a game. But needless to say, the Bills won the game, but they did not look good, in my opinion. And I don't think that there are too many Bills fans who can say when they watched the game that the Buffalo Bills, specifically on offense, looked good. This is back-to-back weeks where the offense has looked less than stellar. We have been used to the Bills' offense operating at a high clip. I'm talking about the three wins that the Bills won back to back to back against the command. I mean, against the Raiders, the Commanders, and then just completely demolishing the the Dolphins. That's the offense that we have been growing to expect this year. That's what we've been waiting for. But they fell into a lull against the Giants. I mean, against the Jags, and we thought there's no way they would they would put up back to back performances like that. Well, they did. They did, and they narrowly escaped. Narrowly escaped. Had the Bills lost that game, oh my gosh. We're talking about 14 and 9. Yeah, ugly win. Bills gutted out an ugly win, but should it have been an ugly win, though? Should it even should it even have come to that? 
against a far, far inferior team like the Giants? Absolutely not. And I get it. Those guys are getting paid, right? They put the pants, they put the they put the pants on the same way everybody else does, one leg at a time. These guys are not gonna just go out here and just just lay over and make it easy for the Bills. And I get it. But come on now. When you look at the team on paper, there is no way that game should have been as close as it was. None. But it was. And you know, it's 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 kind of making me question some things about the offense. I'm trying not to, but if I can go back a little bit here to my initial feelings, and, and you guys know th- those of you, those of you who've been following me for for a while, you, you got you know I'm an emotional guy. You know I'm an emotional fan. I go up and down. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just it is what it is. That's who I am. Pierre says, "Yo, <laughs> he had made mention of it a few weeks ago, talking about me." He said, "Yo, Rev." Uh, Rev backtracking or, or or changing his position every week from week to week, he's just he's just vacillating. You know, it is that that's true. I cannot deny it. I'm emotional. That's how I fan. Okay, don't judge me. But at any rate, last year I had just about enough of Ken Dorsey. I really did, and people were like, "Yo, Rev, that's a little bit too much." Your first year at OC, yeah, but I saw some things that I didn't like, and that was his inability to adjust in game. Or even like at you know, like at the halfway mark of the season last year, it seemed as though defenses started to figure out the offense. Even though the Bills' offense was still, you know, putting up numbers, but when you watch the tape, it was just Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and nobody else. Josh Allen playing hero ball, and that's it. And that's what got them to thirteen wins. That's what got him in the playoffs. That's what you know. what I'm saying all of that, but once they found, once they got up against a team like the Bengals and they and they and they played defense and shut that down, they could not generate any offense. And we thought, all right, they got to fix some things. My initial thoughts were, I need to see more out of Ken Dorsey. I'm not feeling it. I ain't buying it. And so I was like, I was going to go into this year really cautiously optimistic, especially cautiously optimistic. Regarding Ken Dorsey, I did not have any trust in him. But what happens? Just like you know, a lot of us fans do, we tend to just get sucked in and drawn in every single year, right? I mean, this is our team. We've been watching them for all of our lives, and it's hard not to go into a new season with new hopes and ex- and aspirations about the team. And you just let bygones be bygones, and you just fan. That's just how we do it. That's what we've been doing all our lives, and we're accustomed to it. I let that happen again this year. And so I was like hard on like, no, I'm not going to fall for it. I'm going to be hard on them this year. I need to see more out of them. And I'm not even worried about what they do in the regular season. Let me see them in the postseason. I don't trust Ken Dorsey. But this year I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm hype. I'm all in. I got all in. They disappointed me week one. But the following three weeks, I was like, there we go. I'm loving it. And then all of a sudden they did just enough to suck me in only to disappoint me. They disappointed me in London, and I was like, no, where where did that come from? Okay, I made an excuse. London, travel, you know, disadvantage. I was like, all right, that's not going to come up again, right? There's no way to come back to the States against the Giants and then then play like that. 
That's my thinking. There's no way. We, we have outgrown that. So I thought. And then they did what they did last week, Sunday night. Bright lights, prime time. For everybody to see, they did that. And I was like, you know what? This is why I can't. This is why it's hard for me to go all in. What is going on offensively? Ken Dorsey, what is it? What is up? We look at the at the roster, and we see an improved roster offensively, at least on paper. We've got Stephon Diggs. We already know what he does. Gabe Davis, well, I'm, I'm going to talk about him a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But but you look at, at the additions they made in free agency. You've got you've got Sherfield, you got uh the addition of Hardy, right? And then you went in the draft and you traded up for a tight end in Dalton Kincaid, who by most accounts was the best uh, uh route runner at the tight end position in the draft and was a highly touted receiving threat coming out of Utah, coming out of college, right? And they were making a whole lot of, you know, just 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 a whole lot of talk about how he could be used in this offense, 12 personnel, this and that and the other, mismatch, nightmare, you know. And so we just were really getting hyped up about it. And then you look at James Cook coming into, you know, his second year, and then you add in Damian Harris and then Latavius Murray. You've got a revamped offensive line. Everything is looking good on paper. This team on paper offensively is better than it was last year from a talent perspective. I think we all can agree with that. So there should be no reason why the Bills aren't dominating on offense, or at least to say there's no reason why the Bills should not be operating at a very, very high rate of efficiency. But here we are, back-to-back performances on offense, and I just don't know what is up. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any. I don't have the answers. I look at the team and I'm like, yo, th- th- that should not happen. I'll give you a mulligan. But back-to-back, we have some issues, and to me, like, I'm looking at, I'm, and of course, we're gonna hear the whole execution right I mean we hear that excuse oh this is a lack of execution the team is, is is not executing well is it is it like is it really that I mean is it is it just that simple or could it be that Ken Dorsey is getting away from from, from, from some things is that true how much trust how much faith do we still have in Ken Dorsey I'm trying not to I'm trying not to be that guy and be like I'm done you know, if you asked me after Sunday night, I was done. I'm like, I- I'm done with this guy. I, I just can't, I can't have, I-, I, just, I just don't trust him. I just don't trust him. Sometimes he gets in his own way. Sometimes those smart guys, that get in their own way. They're they just like too smart for their own good. They don't do what works. Like for the Buffalo Bills, when they're winning, run the ball from under center, uh, play action. We've seen the metrics. We see the numbers. Play action, under center, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That works. What do we see? A lot of shotgun stuff. Stuff at the goal line, shotgun. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what are we doing? Like, that, that didn't make any sense. A lot, a lot of stuff is not making any sense. I'm like, okay, you're better than this. You should be better than this. A lot of the problems are self-inflicted. And I'm not just saying 
executional, execution-wise. I'm talking about self-inflicted from a play caller perspective. Like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not utilizing the talent on your team. You're not utilizing the players that you have to the best of their abilities. That's my gripe so far with Ken Dorsey. It's like, you have weapons galore, but yet and still, we haven't seen anything out of Deontay Hardy. Little to nothing from, from Sherfield. Khalil Shakir's not even getting on the field, Harley. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, like, the, like your first-round draft pick that you traded up for is being highly underused in this offense. It is, again, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, or nobody. Like, what is up? Are these players not good? Is Josh Allen only targeting Diggs because he's, you know, trying to appease Stephon Diggs or – does he not have any trust in his players? Or is Ken Dorsey not scheming things? Like, what is going on? What's happening? I don't know. But they got to figure it out. And they better figure it out quick. Because you know what? This schedule is not like it was last schedule where they could kind of get away with the whole Josh Allen the Dig show. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work this year. So they better figure some things out. And for me, I'm looking at getting back to establishing the run. I will say. It appears as though that, man, like, not having Kincaid on the field in those 12 personnel sets. And even though, I mean, I mean, I get it. You know, you got Quentin Morris. But, man, dang, did he, did he make that much of a difference by not being on the field? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. But I think they, that since they, since they have been so 12 personnel happy, that's kind of like what's been their identity so far this year, and they need to continue it, but they need to run the ball. I know we're not a running first team, but they need to establish the run. That's what they have to do. I'm looking at James Cook last game, 14 carries for 71 yards. I mean, that's decent, you know what I'm saying? But can we stand to have a little bit more efficiency out of that position? Can we stand to, to bump up his carries a little bit more? I mean, look, Josh Allen was 19 for 30, 169 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. That's not good. I mean, yeah, the Bills got the win, but, like, did anybody – and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, maybe it's just me, but, man, I have never come off of a Bills victory feeling like we just lost, like I did last week. Am I, am I alone in that? Did anybody else feel like, you know, even though we got the win, it felt like we took an L? That 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 felt like we took an L to me, and I couldn't even get excited about it. I, first of all, I didn't think that we deserved to win that game. We did it anyway. A lot of help from the refs, but you know, refs were going back and forth. But anyway, I mean, it is what it is. We saw it, right? We escaped with a victory, but I felt like we took an L in that game. So defenses are looking at it, and and applaud. You know, kudos to the Giants' defense, right? I mean, Wink Martindale, man, he dialed up the perfect defense against the Buffalo Bills. With the assistance of Brian Dayball, no doubt, because he understands exactly what the offense is about and how to how to, and how to scheme up against Josh Allen. But still, still, that's where coaching comes into play, and that's where I have my issue with 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 Ken Dorsey. Like you know, going into this game last week, Brian Dayball knows your offense, he knows your tendencies, so he's gonna he's gonna give all the information to Wink Martindale, who is an excellent defensive minded head. I mean, defensive coordinator. They're going to scheme some things up. So now you as an offensive coordinator should be anticipating that, right? 
it's it's all about moves and counter moves. And I just feel like Dorsey, for the most part, just has no counter move. He has no counter punch. And in this day and age, in this league, and we're talking about competing for a Super Bowl, you're going up against the best of the best coaches on top of the best of the best talent-wise. You know what I'm saying? As far as players are concerned. You have to be able to outcoach some of these guys. And I just am leery about whether or not Ken Dorsey is able to outcoach some of these great defensive minds. We're going to see it again this week against, I mean, tomorrow against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who we know are known for, you know, playing pretty good defense. But man, like, and they have some talent and I get it. You know, the Bills have been, have been, have had their number, but man, it's like, I don't, I don't know what to expect. I mean, I, I expected the Bills to beat the snot out of the Giants, but that didn't happen. 14 to 9. I mean, can 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 we expect can I expect the Bills to beat the snot out of the Patriots? Or is it gonna be another close game? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is going on? What's up? I don't know, but I've got I've got major questions so far regarding Ken Dorsey's ability to adjust and to outcoach some of the better defensive minds in the NFL, especially, well, specifically on our schedule. We will see. We will see. All is not lost. Hope has not faded yet. But, man, it's it's kind of, it's almost getting there. It's almost getting there. Let me know what you guys think about that. But I had to get that off my chest. Thank you so much for allowing me to do that. But thanks to you all for joining me live. Shout out to everybody in the chat. What's going on? What's going on? I see uh, Kim Betts comes in. She says, yo, we, we need a little bit more play action. I, 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 yeah, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. The Bills need more play action. They need to run the ball from under center. They have to do that. They got to get James Cook and these backs involved in the game plan. And speaking of James Cook, speaking of James Cook, <sighs> I just, I don't know. I just don't know. I love I like I like James Cook a lot. I really do. But you know, we have to start questioning some of the decisions that these coaches are making. Like they started Latavius Murray over James Cook. Is Latavius Murray better than James Cook? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think James Cook offers more, right? But I did see a play that, and I can't remember exactly, I can't remember the exact play, but it let me know, okay, this is why the coaching staff is trusting Latavius Murray more than they are trusting James Cook. It's because there was a play where James Cook completely whiffed on blitz pickup. He did not pick up the linebacker. He whiffed on it, got pressure on Josh Allen. He had a scramble. And I don't remember you know what the what you know what the end result was of that play, but I remember seeing James Cook completely whiff on that play, and I'm like, that's why. That's why. <laughs> if we talk about trust. Uh, Josh Allen was talking about you know he was gonna throw the ball to the open receiver. That's an indication to me of of perhaps a lack of trust in other guys. Now we see why Murray is is getting more carries, or why more Murray is is starting over James Cook. We need these guys to step up. 
Absolutely. Absolutely, no doubt. But needless to say, they have to get the run game established. I don't even care if it's like, it doesn't matter if the Patriots stop it. You still have to be committed to it. And we will see if Ken Dorsey is going to be committed to it or not. All right. But now, I do have to give out some Rev Roses, right? Rev Roses to the game last week. I mean, it's to probably just one player in particular because to me, like, this was a, this player is just consistent. This player is just going to – he's going to do his thing week in and week out. We know it. Every single week. And to me, it goes to Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, 10 receptions, 100 yards in that game. Didn't score a touchdown, but you look at what he's able to do, and he does it on a consistent basis. He is, what is this? How many games does he have so far with, with 100 yards? Is it, is it, I mean, is it five? I think outside of the Jets game, every single game after that, I mean, he's he's been putting up 100 yards every game. Let me look at it. Giants, 100 yards. Jags, 121 yards. Dolphins, 120. Commanders, 111. Raiders game, well, that was it, 66. Jets, 102. So every single game outside of the Raiders game, he's been putting up 100 yards. Can you imagine what this offense would be like if without Diggs? I don't want to. I really don't. But that guy right there, man, is Mr. Consistency. He is Mr. MVP for this offense. Without, you, you take him out of the offense, they're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a wrap. Just like you remove jo, uh, Josh from the offense, it's a wrap. You remove Diggs from the passing game, forget it. Forget it. And, yeah, I know we got Gabe Davis, but he's inconsistent. He's up and down. He's up and down. Reno comes in and Reno says, yo, we can't keep running the ball up the gut if there's no holes. I agree. Like, it's, so it's not just a matter of running the ball. It's, it's running the ball to your strengths. How, you know, you, you have to figure out the effective ways in which the Buffalo Bills run the ball and then do that over and over again. And even be creative and sprinkle in some, some, some different, you know what I'm saying, looks or whatever. But just, like, you cannot run the ball up the gut. You just can't do it. That's not the way this team is built. And especially not doing it with James Cook. Come on now. We're talking about a book 90. You're going to run the ball up the gut with James Cook. Come on, it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to do that, do it with Murray. And it, and it may work here and there. You know, you may get two yards, which is about what he gives you. Fluffy says, yeah, running out of shotgun gives the defense the advantage. O-line is balling out. I agree. Scott, this is coming from Scott Blakely, and he's, he's talking to Fluffy. It's scheming from Dorsey. Never thought I would say I miss McKenzie sweep. You know what, Scott? I mean, like, I have to agree with you on that, man. Like, for, for me, like, I hate the running out of the shotgun. I hate it. In this offensive line, they like to – I mean, you have to get these guys an advantage in which they can just blow off the line of scrimmage and get extremely physical with these guys. You have to do it. Run from under the center. Not from shotgun. I can't stand it, especially that that sprint draw. Can't stand it. It's a it's a busted play. It never works. Rarely does it ever work. Stop doing it. But do you think they're gonna stop doing it? No, they're gonna keep doing it. it it's you know, they're not gonna listen to nobody, especially not us. You know what I'm saying? But um, I do agree with you about about the whole scheming aspect of it because 
when you look at it and you had mentioned, made mention about like the, the McKenzie sweep, can, can we not utilize Deontay Hardy in that role? Like I thought when we got Deontay Hardy, speed guy who offers more than McKenzie offered um, from a route running perspective, he has a little bit more speed. He can, he can do more as a, as a, as a more of a complete receiver. Where is, where is that? Where is it? I mean, come on, man. Like, like this, like this is the frustrating part from of watching the Bills offense is like you you've got talent. You do have it on on your roster. Why aren't these guys being utilized to their best abilities? It has to lie at the front doorstep and at the foot of the offensive coordinator. You can say it's a lack of execution when it comes to the plays that you're drawing up. I can get that to a degree, but why are you not utilizing these players why is Deontay Hardy not being utilized more why are you so gung-ho on this 12 personnel can you not make a switch and be like you know what we're not going to run 12 personnel as much this game you know what I'm saying based on the matchup we're going to run a lot of 11 personnel we're going to put three re- receivers out on the field we're going to use Deontay Hardy in, in a more of a traditional slot receiving role we're going to bring speed on the field heck we're going to put we're going to do 10 personnel go four wide and put speed Bring Sherfield in. They're like, where is the where like where is the versatility, man? Like, come on. Like this, and this is how defenses start to pick up on your tendencies. This is how they do it. And this is early in the season, and we've already started to see it happen. Last year, it was at least, what was it, seven, eight weeks in? I mean, when, when was that Packers game? Because after the Packers game, I think it was like the second half of the Packers game is when we started to see teams pick up on the tendencies of the Bills, and it was just a the offense of the Buffalo Bills kind of went down, even though the statistics say otherwise. But when you watch the games, it wasn't as efficient. It was Josh Allen, the digs running around or nothing. That's kind of what it was. And they were able to get away with it because of the schedule. It's not going to happen this year. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. So like when I look at, Stephon Diggs, like he's the only guy, in my, in my opinion, that, that deserves a rose from last week. They're, and Teron Johnson, you know what I'm saying? Good on you for that hold. That You know what I'm saying? Because if not for the hold that didn't get called, there's no way you, you say Waller doesn't come down with that pass and win. So, yeah. I mean, Kim, Kim, Kim Betts comes in against us, yo, ugly wins. Yeah, it's an ugly win, but sometimes, like, I understand an ugly win when it should be an ugly win. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we're talking about mono e mono, we're talking about, like, talent to talent, apples to apples. We look at, like, I, like, I, I, like I see, I see, like, I go back to that game against, you know, the Chiefs in the playoffs. Like, that to me would have been an ugly win if the Bills won it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that kind of gritty going back and forth, back and forth, toe-to-toe. But, like, this is not really an ugly win. Like, this is an ugly win because we played so poorly. Right? It's not an ugly win because, like, we were matched up against a tough team, and it was just, like, a defensive matchup, and boom, man. Like, nobody was willing to give an inch. This really wasn't that. Like, the Bills just played like garbage on offense. They really did. But I do have some concerns about the defense. And we'll talk about it here, here as, as we shift and, and we start to preview the matchup against the Patriots. There is something about the defense that I'm kind of concerned about going forward. 
Hopefully McDermott is able to identify it and they can rectify the situation before it gets out of hand. And this is the week in which they need to fix it. Okay. It definitely is. But let's, let's pivot and let's go back to my initial question leading off this show, which is there's a trade day coming up right now. If you look at this Buffalo Bills team right now, offensively and on defense. Is there any particular position that you think needs to be addressed by Brandon being in the front office before the trade deadline? If so, who should, what, like, what is that position and who should the Buffalo Bills go after? Who should they target? There has been a lot of talk and of course, it could just be a bunch of smoke and just, you know, social media fluff or whatever, you know, about Devontae, I mean, Devontae Adams. Let's talk about Devontae Adams, you know, not being happy in Las Vegas right now. And he's made mention of it. Should the Buffalo Bills even look in that direction? Like, is that, is that like a pipe dream? Is it a re- I mean, could it be possible? We're talking about the Buffalo Bills right now. When you look at it, let me see here. The uh, the like the cap that they're really, um, the cap that that's available to them. It really isn't a lot. I think it's less than two million dollars. Less than two million dollars in available cap space for the Buffalo Bills. I think if they are to go after anybody, they're going to have to be extremely creative. They really are. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking at it here. First spot track to $1.8 million in open cap space at the moment. So they're going to have to free up some, some money. We know Brandon Bean, he's not really, he's not, he's not willing to do that a whole lot. Because we're talking about restructuring guys, and and that's basically what you're, you're just kicking the can down the road, and eventually you got to pay the piper. You're gonna have to pay the piper, and it's gonna put the bills in a very bad cap position going forward. Every year, you know the Buffalo Bills are gonna be in almost cap jail, and they're gonna have to try to make some restructures and get rid of some guy and do something, you know, just to kind of get under the cap and. It's going to be difficult. So that's why I'm not a whole, I'm not a big proponent of, you know, a lot of restructures, unless there's like one particular player or two that you're really targeting. And you think that when you add this guy, or if you add this player, they can get you over the hump. I love the idea of Devontae Adams. I think the Bills could definitely use a wide receiver of his caliber, of his ilk on this offense. I 100% agree with that. I think they. I think that if you add, I mean, if we're just talking about, you're just talking, just for conversation's sake, if you add Devontae Adams to Stephon Diggs, what that does offensively is that puts Gabe Davis from being the wide receiver two to what I think he may excel at best, and that's the wide receiver three area. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you look at, you go back a couple of years, when the Bills had Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, like Gabe was just, he was he was floating in that wide receiver three, wide receiver four role at times, and it worked. 
because you had Cole Beasley, the slot machine underneath. You had Emmanuel Sanders doing his work outside, you know, before he got hurt. But then even when Sanders got hurt and then Gabe took up the slack, he was still in the three position. It worked that way. So now he's he's at the wide receiver two position, and he's you know it's, it's kind of he's, he's kind of been inconsistent. It's hit or miss with Gabe. It's boom or bust, and I like Gabe. I really do. It's kind of boom or bust. And this is where we thought that the addition of of Dalton Kincaid was going to come in because we thought that he was going to be to be the one to take up those slot receptions, those slot targets that the Bills missed when they lost. I mean, when they you know when when uh. Cole Beasley left in free agency. We thought, all right, you bring this guy in. He's going to be your new quote-unquote slot receiver playing tight end. But that has not been the case so far. That hasn't been the case so far. And if you just add Devontae Adams to to, to the offense, man, you've got to dig. I mean, you have a potent offense. I mean, really, you do. Just, I mean, talent-wise, come on now. You see so much attention already going to Diggs. You got Devontae Adams on the outside, and then you've got Gabe Davis. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's going to be tough to deal with. There have even been conversations about DeAndre Hopkins. Could the Tennessee Titans part ways with Hopkins? Knowing what's going on right now with him and that team and that squad, uh, Brian Tannehill, you know, not playing. Uh, what could that look like? There's been talk about like that could be a potential trade target. Like like the like the the Titans could be willing to trade him, and his money is very cheap. Very he already got paid by the Titans up front. So, um, and I think I think Greg uh, from Cover One had 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 talked about it. Just just from a numbers perspective, like it's it's more palatable. It's more easier to digest because his cap number is so so low. So you really, essentially, you probably could trade for him and fit him under the cap a lot better than you could Devontae Adams. And it's like, man, that would be that would be perfect. Can you imagine that? Like, like DeAndre Hopkins fleecing the Titans, getting paid, getting the bag up front, and then still managing to get traded to the Buffalo Bills. That would be that would be tremendous. It really would. But let me know what you guys think on offense. Is there anybody on offense that the Bills should go after? Let me scroll through the chat to see if I see anybody in here talking about offensive position while we're talking about offense here. Um, I'm actually starting to see a lot of defense. Hmm. And Fluffy Panda, this is funny. Fluffy Panda comes in and says, yo, can we trade for an offensive coordinator in the Shanahan camp? Half kidding. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that, that Shanahan camp, you know, like, they, they are so systematic. Right with the way they run their offense, that that their system is so elite, they can almost plug and play anybody in that system, and it works. They are offensive geniuses to a degree, right? When you look at what they're doing in in, in San Fran with Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, you know. Now it doesn't hurt when you have the likes of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle, the tight end position, and you got Christian McCaffrey in the, you know, running the rock. That helps a lot, you know what I'm saying? But then you look at Miami, you look at Mike McDaniel, what he's doing with, I mean, he has Tyreek Hill. I mean, come on now. Jalen Waddle, come on now. 
If you got speed and Raheem Mostert, you know, um, the rookie A-Chan, I think that's how you pronounce his name, before he got injured. So you have to have the right pieces, but dang, that system is is, is elite. It really is. Makes you wonder what somebody like Mike, Mike, like Mike McDaniels could do with our offense. But anyway, there's no good to think about that. But from a player perspective, if the Bills were to address anybody at the, at the at, you know, on offense, it has to be wide receiver, right? Or, or another name that has been floating around, and I heard Ryan Clark mention it. And I'll just go ahead and, and put it here in the chat for you guys to discuss. That is. Barkley. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Saquon. Barkley. Would you be okay with Brandon Bean trying to trade for Saquon Barkley? That may not be a very popular opinion for most of Bill's Mafia. But, I mean, just for argument's sake here, and you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, what would defenses be afraid of most? Yes, if you were able to add an, a Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins, yes, that would be incredibly potent. But what about a running back like Saquon Barkley on this team? And you look at who we already have at the wide receiver position, and you say, man, if you put Barkley in the backfield, does that put defenses in, in, in more conflict than adding a Devontae Adams or adding a DeAndre Hopkins or Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton? I mean, an argument could be made that adding a running back like that would be better for the offense and would be Heck for opposing defenses, because then you know the Buffalo Bills, so far this year, have made a concerted effort to run the ball more. Although the last couple of games they haven't done it as much, but if you were to plug in a guy like Saquon Barkley, paired up with the likes of James Cook, and the Bills went out there in their twelve personnel package, and you've got. You've got Diggs outside Gabe Davis. You've got two tight ends in Knox and Kincaid. And then you look behind you and you have Saquon Barkley. What on earth are you going to do? What are you going to do with that? Because can we just agree right now? James Cook is no Saquon Barkley. Right? He's no Saquon Barkley. But if you were to put Saquon Barkley in his offense, you'd be hard-pressed. Not to say that it would make this defense, I mean, this offense better than it would be adding another wide receiver to the squad. I would be more inclined to see that. You know what I mean? I, I, I would actually like that a whole lot. A whole lot. Can you imagine what it would be like if the Buffalo Bills were to trade for it? Now, I don't know if the Giants are willing to do it. But come on now, like, they have to do something. They have to kind of. They may have to start looking towards the draft and get draft capital. I know who would be, I know who would love it. And that's Rico. 
Rico would absolutely love the idea of getting Saquon Barkley and putting him in the backfield. We already put Damian Harris on IR. We brought up Ty Johnson from the, from, from, from the practice squad. So now he signs an active roster. So now we're going in with, with James Cook, Latavius Murray, and Ty Johnson at the running back position. Add Barkley to that. Add Barkley to that equation. You've got Barkley, Cook, and then Murray. That's a three-headed monster. Three-headed monster in the backfield. Led by Saquon Barkley. It would be remarkably better offensively. And I think that the Bills would get back to running the rock and being more willing to run the ball more than they have in the last couple of weeks with more success. And then you could use James Cook in more of your – you could get creative. And I know this is kind of hard to say but because you look at Ken Dorsey like, man, how creative is he has, or has he been? But you could really use James Cook in more of your traditional slot receiving role. You can kind of use him, sprinkle him in there like that. You know what I mean? Kind of play the, the James White role. And you could really do that with him. I think it affords you more – versatility on offense if you were to add a guy like Saquon Barkley to the to the to the offense. And I get it. Josh Winter says, yo, Barkley has injury issues. I mean, yeah, he's 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 been getting injured, but still, like I would be willing to roll the dice with him. You get the guy, plug him in. That I'm not saying that you're giving the ball, you're giving him the ball 20 times a game, maybe 15 times. And James Cook gets a handful. I think that you can lighten the load with Saquon Barkley and have him split some of the carries with James Cook in an effort to, to kind of save him, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And then, you, and then you have Murray as well. So I think it would be a different scenario with Barkley and Buffalo than it is in, in, you know, in, in, in Jersey with the Giants where they just – he's the offense. You know, we'll see. But now on the defensive side of the ball – I see a lot of people talking about defense, too. And I know that there's been um, a, lot, a lot of talk about the cornerback position. So we, we lose Tredavis White. But then we, we, you know, we look at Kyer Elam and, and daggum, man, that guy, he's just not it. He really is not it. Can we say that? Can we all agree Kyer Elam is not it? Is he, is he approaching bust level? I say he's like teetering. Teeter-totter, you know what I'm saying, on that bus line. And so the Bills could definitely, definitely use another cornerback. I don't, I can't, I, I don't trust him anymore. I don't. And I and I thought, I, I would never have thought that I would come to the point to where I would say, man, can we play Dane Jackson? Can Dane Jackson get back on the field, please? Because Dane... <laughs> To me, Dane is like, he's okay. He's better than Kyrie Elam. But, like, how good is Dane Jackson really? You know what I'm saying? Like, dang, like, are we, have we, we're really, like, scrapping. You know what I mean? We're really, like, you know, we're down to the scraps here. And we just take anything that we can get that's better than Kyrie Elam at this point. And it just so happens to be Dane Jackson. Well, like, we know Christian Benford is very good. We know he's solid. Next to him. We got to get Dane back in there. But golly, man, like, 
And then, and then the depth, we got Cam Lewis. You know, I think is Cam Lewis, is he on is he in concussion protocol? Like, we're extremely thin at the cornerback position. Extremely thin. And there's been, you know, a lot of conversation about Patrick Satan in Denver, about acquiring him at the trade deadline. Would first of all, would would Denver even be willing to give him up? Like we're talking about a, a former first round draft pick who is extremely good. I'm talking about borderline elite cornerback. I don't know many teams that are willing just to part with that kind of talent. Even though we know that the Denver Broncos are in full-blown rebuild mode, they need to they need to part ways probably with certain players who can provide them with the draft capital needed to make these moves and just add more and more young talent in the earlier rounds of the draft to rebuild that roster. But are they willing to do it? And then if they are, you have to imagine that it is going to come with a hefty price tag. And we know how much Brandon Bean loves his draft picks. We know it. I would be willing to part with a first-round draft pick just because we always end up drafting late first, which by most people have already said that that late first-round draft pick is really like an early second-round pick. What have we really done so far with the first round draft picks i mean the Kyrie elam is, is you know what you know come on now i would be willing to part with that for patrick's hand but it's not just going to be one first round draft pick it could be multiple there could be multiple you know high-end draft picks plus a player it could be a lot the idea sounds great especially when you look at the player his talent and then you look at his contract. The dude is 23 years old. I, I, I think, if, I'm, if, I, if I remember correctly, 23. I think he's in the third year of his rookie contract. But because he's a former first-round draft pick, the Bills would have, or any team who trades for him, if that's the case, has that fifth-year option. So we would get him here half a year left to go in this year and then plus two more years to go in his contract. And then we could revisit an extension two years down the road. So we look two and a half years down the road if we get Patrick Satan, where, where we could see, or we where, where where we can look two years. It wouldn't be two years. Let me rephrase that: two and a half years down the road before we have to talk about a contract extension for Satan. At which point, we might be moving away from Tre'Davious White. Also, so I know that's kind of, you know, we don't really want to talk about that. And we tread lightly around that conversation. But that could be, you know, it's it could happen. It could be a possibility, right, where we add a guy like Satan, and then we may, you know, move away from Trey, maybe even sooner than later. And then now you have Satan, young guy, rookie contract, two years left on his deal. And then you look at Christian Benford, boom, you got him on a rookie deal. Maybe you bring Dane Jackson back for another year. I don't know, but you've got two bookends right there. I like. I mean, I like the idea of of adding a cornerback there. I really do. Um, I have also seen middle linebacker floating around here. I saw a middle linebacker here in the chat. I can't remember who who it was that posted it, but you know what? For me, I'm not concerned. I really am not concerned. You know, like. Terrell Bernard has been lights out. He has been lights out. And I will go on record right now as I say this. Terrell Bernard has been playing better for this defense 
than Tremaine Edmonds. He has, at least from what I'm able to see. I love what Terrell Bernard has been doing defensively. And I just did not know he had it in him. I did not know. And we, and we, and you know, we really didn't see it because, I mean, we got Tremaine Evans and Matt Milano. You know, Tremaine is not coming off the field, but apparently the coaching staff saw it, which is why they were so willing to let Tremaine test free agency because they knew they, who they had in, in, in Terrell. They knew it. And so Bernard has been, he has been fantastic. Lights out. I'm not touching that middle linebacker, that middle linebacker position. Now, you want to talk about weak side linebacker? Eh. The rookie, Doran Williams, has been playing admirably as well. So, like, kudos to, 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 the, to the scouting department, Brandon Bean, for, for identifying these guys, man, uh, two third-round draft picks. At the linebacker position, they are starting to look like they're doing their thing. You know, and it's hard to say that, man, yo, like, we're not going to – we don't miss Matt Milano. Of course we do. But these guys have been like Dorian Williams has been playing well. We'll see down the stretch, right? But so far, I, I'm not concerned about the middle. I mean, at the linebacker position, maybe you can talk about the depth. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm not really willing to go out and make a trade for a guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not willing to do that. I like what we have right now, the middle linebacker position. Going to the chat right now, I see a super chat by my man Silas. Hey, Silas, I appreciate you, man. Sorry I didn't get to it earlier. Silas Willow comes in. He says, yo, Buffalo has $1.3 million in cap space. Barkley's cap is 10. I know it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, it, I don't know what kind of cap finagling, you know, Brandon Bean would have to be willing to do. I don't know. I'm just talking. I'm just throwing names out there. You know what I'm saying? Just, just for, for conversation's sake. Um, I don't really – see it happen i really don't because we know brandon b is not he's not investing that highly in the running back position anyway he's not doing it you know but but doggone it you know it's hard not to dream right it's hard not to dream but my man silas just busted my bubble i really did but he comes in here with another super chat silas i appreciate it man he says he says yo elam is only getting better he was fine last game Okay, he was fine last game, but who like who are they playing? You know what I'm saying? Like like that's that that's where that that's where my where my gripe is with Elam. And I knew that this was going to be would, would come up. Elam playing last game, you know, he should look good. And many and, and, and maybe some people would say would look to that as a barometer for where you know, Elam could go. But my thing was, let's just pause for a second. Let's look at who he went up against. <laughs> and nobody, really, on that giant squad, nobody. And the, really the receiver, the main receiver on that team so far, I mean, Wondell Robinson, I mean, like, like Teron Johnson was getting some of that. So who, who, was, who, was, who was Elam really going up against? Jalen Jalen Wyatt? Or Hyatt, forgive me if I'm if I'm got his, his last name wrong, but like there really wasn't like show me, show like I'm 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 going to reserve it until the Bucks game. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, go like tomorrow going up against 
a Patriots offense that has no talent, really. I'm not even going to, like, look at that and be like, oh, man, if Kyrie Elam does well, like, oh, man, you know, Kyrie Elam's getting better. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? And, like, that that's no disrespect, Silas, you, you, you know, but I'm just like, yeah. let me see when he goes up against uh, uh, a team that has better talent at the wide receiver position. You got Mike Evans and you got Chris Godwin. Let me wait until I see that. You know what I'm saying? And then let's just, I mean, let's just go down. Let's 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 just go down the re- the, the, the schedule. Okay. We got Tampa Bay after this game. Do you see Elam doing well against uh, Chris Godwin, who plays in the slot? But I mean, you know, maybe maybe he gets Mike Evans. Maybe that goes to Christian Benford. I don't know. But do you see my, you, can you see Kyrie Elam playing well against against a squad like that? What about the Bengals the following week? When you got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. What about that? Like, like those are the games where I'm going to be really looking at. That to me is where Kyrie Elam really needs to show up. I'm not against these. I mean, and no diss to to the Giants or the Patriots, but come on now. Like that, like who are they? Who do they really have? That's a true test. That's not to say that he's getting better. That's just to say that's not really much of a test, especially when you consider the fact that he, Kyrie Elam, is a former first-round draft pick. Like, he should look good against inferior opponents. That's all I'm saying. And that's my politically correct version. Morning, Maya and Linda West comes in with a super chat. I appreciate you. She says, yo, which offense do you think turns up tomorrow? Jekyll or Hyde? Thanks for the great show, Rev. Well, I appreciate that super chat, and uh, I really appreciate the kind words. Which offense do you think turns up tomorrow, Jekyll Hyde? That's isn't that the question? Like, like, like we're asking ourselves: Is this offense? And we really shouldn't be even asking this question, but it is what it is. Like this team is so inconsistent offensively; we don't even know. It's like it's hard to determine. I don't even know what to expect. I don't. Like you, like they, you have me fooled now because going into last week, I would have thought that okay, you're going up against a far inferior team in the Giants who have, like, they, their injury list was ridiculous. They had nobody. They had a depleted offensive line. They had guys going in, and they were losing guys like crazy. They had nobody offensively outside of Saquon Barkley. Nobody. Nobody. Now, granted, their defense was good. We expected them to play well, but gum. like there's no way you didn't you would have thought the Bills go in at home Sunday night football and only put up 14 points against the New York Giants. Crazy. I thought they would have demolished those guys, demolished them. It wasn't the case. So now I'm like, I have no idea. Like I want to say against the Patriots, who are just, they're just terrible. Terrible. One in five. They're just awful. I want to say the Bills are going in and just smack them. And then you look at, and you look at the Bills, uh, kind of like the history and what they've been doing so far, I mean, against against the Patriots. Like, like you almost kind of want to get there and be like a little cocky, you know what I'm saying? But like, I don't know. I can't, I can't say it. And I hate that. I, I can't, it's, it's a hard question, Morning Sorry. I mean, I appreciate your super chat, but I really have no answer for that question because I just don't know. The Bills have been just that 
inconsistent here the last couple of weeks where I don't know which team, which offense shows up. At least we know the defense has been consistent. Even considering the fact that they've lost a lot of players, a lot of key players for the year. They've been consistent. But man, this offense, I flip a coin at this point. That's really, I have to see them put up. I was going to say, like, I need to see them. I need to see them make some deposits, right? For a few games consistently to where I feel better about them going in week in and week out. But, dang, I mean, we can go back, you know what I'm saying, and look at, at, at the wins when they were just destroying and just mowing through teams, the Raiders, the Commanders, and, and the Dolphins. We thought, oh, man, that's three weeks. That's, that's enough data to suggest that the Bills' offense is elite and that they're not going to be this up-and-down Jekyll or Hyde offense. But two weeks in, the past two weeks, what do they show? Inconsistency. So now I don't know. I don't know how many games. I don't know. We know what they're capable of. I'll say that. And the offense, when they're on their A game, they are tough to beat. Very tough to beat. Unless the Buffalo Bills beat themselves, no team should beat them. And I'm and I'm confident in saying that. Like when they're on their A game, if they are not beating themselves with penalties, they cannot be beaten. That's how that is how high. The bar is for them. And that's, and, I'm, that's, and that's not really expectations. That's just how good they are compared to other teams. But it's when they're inconsistent and when their offense is off, they are bad. And it shouldn't be like that. Like you have an off game here or there. But, man, it's like when they're bad, they're bad. Where they can get beat by the bottom feeder teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, a la, the Giants almost got beat by them if not for a fluke non-call by Teron Johnson in the end zone, they would have been, we would have been looking at them and questioning coaching, questioning everything. So I really don't know. I hope to see the Bills offense that we've grown accustomed to seeing against the Patriots. Oh, you know, they're not going to go away. They're not going to go away quietly. They're not going to go away quietly. We shall see. But it does bring me to uh, the next segment of our show. And shout out to you guys, man. Like, you guys have been fantastic. Um, salute to everybody in the chat who's been joining me live, man. And, like, the, like the chat is, is going strong. We're over 100 people in here right now on a Saturday afternoon. Shout out to the chat. If you have not already, hit this like button or subscribe to the channel. Now is the time to go ahead and do that. What I'm going to do right now, before we get into the next segment of the show, let's take a pause real quick and, and let's hear from our sponsor of the show. We'll be right back after this. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. In the Pick'em game, you can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in that week's game for a chance to win big and as you already know i'm going josh allen higher in yards every single week so sign up today with promo code buffalo fanatics and get your first deposit doubled up to 100 visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with promo code buffalo fanatics 
to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. If you haven't already done that, make sure you get Underdog Fantasy. Sign up for them. Very easy to do. My man Pierre's been rocking it. You know your picks. Go in there and earn you some money. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to them for supporting the channel. But, yo, before I get into this next segment of my show, I I, I want to go to a, a super chat from Scott Blakely. He comes in. Yo, Scott, you know, it's, it's, it's much love. Appreciate it every single time. He says, yo, Rev, Dorsey is calling plays as though Josh Allen is a rookie. Hmm. Josh knows the entire playbook, but a quarterback coach resists creativity over comfort. Oh, man. <laughs> Scott, you said Dorsey is calling plays like Josh is a rookie. You know what? You know what I think? I almost think that, like, part of me says that they're afraid to see the ugly Josh Allen. You know what I'm saying? Like that ugly Josh where he just, you know, he just goes loose. You know, like sugar high Josh. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're afraid to see that, Josh. And so they are devising a game plan to where they they lessen the amount of opportunities to see that kind of Josh Allen. You know, and, and to a degree, I can I can understand that. But Josh is not a rookie. He's like, you can't put training wheels on Josh at this point in his career. He is who he is. Is that to say that he's not going to improve? No, it's not to say that he is improving, but what has gotten Josh to this point is the fact that is, is, is those off script plays is, is when Josh just goes off script plays broken down and his backyard ball right now. And now let's let me rely on my athleticism and just being a sheer dog of an athlete and find somebody down the field. Like that's who Josh is. Even if it's scrambling or even if you like incorporate some design runs and like you have to let Josh be Josh and take the good with the bad. And there may be times when you see a lot of bad, but Josh has gotten this team to where they are now by being who he is. And you cannot take that away from him. You can't put training wheels. <laughs> you can't put training wheels on a Harley Davidson, man. You just can't do it, right? You can't do it. That's what we have in Josh. You have to just let that, you have to let him rip. Just let him rip. Let him run it. Let him do it and, and, and just live with it. What I think they should do is should incorporate more into the offense, especially early, because you know, um, and I'm I'm glad Scott you brought this up because this is this this is something that um you know just came to my mind. We've heard Sean McDermott mention, I think a couple of times, about the offense having a slow start. The last couple of games, the offense has gotten off to a very, very slow start in these games. What's one way you can get the offense going? It's, to me, letting Josh run the ball and getting hit. Like, we, we, we've we heard Josh say this time and time again, especially when he runs the ball and he takes a big hit, and you're like, dang, Josh, like, come on, man. Like, go out of bounds, slide, whatever. Like, Josh says he likes it. Early in the game, he says, yo, I need to get hit. It wakes me up. It gets my juices flowing. 
Now, you may be like, man, that is something that I don't necessarily want to happen because, man, all it takes is one wrong hit and we lose them for an extended amount of time. But, yeah, but at the same time, like, Josh Allen is your offense. You need to let him get going. And I think you need to incorporate some of those designed runs into the offense, at least from a first possession game script perspective, where he runs the ball himself. Remember those plays that Brian Dayball used to have that really pissed Sean McDermott off, which I think, you know, made Sean McDermott more willing just to part ways with him? You know what I'm saying? Is is when you would when when he would uh uh go from I think it was it wasn't under center, it was the, from the gun, and they pulled Mitch Morse, and they may have also pulled uh uh Dawkins, but I think I know for sure it was Mitch Morse. That 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 pin and pull thing when Josh would, would get the ball from the gun, and boom, and then he would just run behind Mitch Morris in that offensive line. And he would run for 10, 15 yards, leap over a defender, go out of bounds. Like that, like that, that play right there, I haven't seen it since Dayball left. I really haven't. And I think that you need to do something like that to get Josh going. Don't run. Don't like this is what I don't run. Don't don't do like hey, let's just spread everybody out and then just do like a quarterback draw up the, the gut. No, because I think that play is where you get, you know, can get Josh hurt more. Get him rolling out, man, and let him run. Let him get his juices flowing. Like like that's if that's what gets your starting franchise quarterback going, then just do it. You have to let him get going. Otherwise, you go three and out here in first possession, you three and out again, and 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 it's not looking good. You know what I'm saying? So do something creative, get your quarterback going. That's my opinion. That's what I love to see. And Scott Blakely comes in here with another super chat. He says, Yo, can't change generational talent, only suppress. You really can't. And Josh Allen is a generational talent. And what I hope does not happen is we waste this generational talent being safe and being conservative. I don't even want to think about what would happen if the Bills never win a Super Bowl with this guy at the quarterback position. But it is a possibility. If we continue down this road and we don't correct some of the things that need to be corrected and let Josh be Josh, let him do his thing, support him, and utilize the rest of the talent on this team. That's what needs to happen. Okay. But now, as we are pivoting and we're shifting, we're looking at the Bills versus the Patriots game. <laughs> we all know that. Like this game, we really should just have our way, right? We should, but I'm not feeling too confident. I, I I mean, I wouldn't say I don't feel confident in the Bills winning. I'm just I just don't feel confident in in what offense we see. I don't I don't know. Okay. I really don't know. But this is time for put up shut up. Put up or shut up. Put up or shut up. Who needs to put up or shut up this game against the New England Pages tomorrow? You know what? And uh, 
I hate to, I, you know, I, I'm not even gonna bring this guy up. I mean, because you know, I had him on my fantasy team, and he gave me zero points. But then this week, he's not even playing, and it's Ed Oliver. I played him, and he gave me zero points last week, and I and I lost, you know, because he got me zero points. But he's not playing this week, so I can't even really use it. You know what I'm saying? But but Ed, for most part, you know, he's been playing well. He really has been playing well, so I really can't even get on Ed for having one game where it's kind of like, you know, what, what happened to Ed? And then he got hurt, too, so I ain't going to bring him up like that. But when we look at it here, offensively and defensively, who do you think needs to put up or shut up this game? Where is it? <laughs> and I agree. My man Nate comes in off the rip. Elam better be on this. You get, you daggum right, man. Elam needs to be on it. And I know my man Silas says, yo, he, 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 he played well last week, but that was last week against the Giants. And I know this week is going to be against the Patriots, and they don't really have anybody offensively that you can really be like, uh, you know. But the guy needs to do it. He has to do it. I mean, against, against a team like this, come on, man. Like you've got you've got to put up. Like if I'm Elam, like you need to you need to put as many deposits in the bank as possible to make yourself look better. Even though it's against inferior opponents. You you've been playing, he's been playing so bad. Like, can we just get can we can we get can we get two good games out of Elam? Maybe. And I don't even know if that's good. Like oh. this guy, like uh. and honestly. I don't even think the guy's playing, to be honest. But Dane Jackson is not on the injury list. Was he on the injury list? Let me go back and see. Was he on the injury report? Let me kind of go back and look at the injury report from uh, from Thursday. Dane Jackson was a full participant Thursday's practice. So you bet your bottom dollar that Dane Jackson is going to be playing this game. And he's likely going to start. So you're going to see Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. So we probably won't even get to see Elam, which may be good. It may be good. But depending upon, you know, Dane's foot and how he feels, you know, you know, we may see kind of like that, you know, uh, split duties kind of thing. But I don't think I don't think the coaching staff trusts Elam a whole lot. So even if even even with a hobbled Dane Jackson, at best, they're playing him. They're playing him. Especially considering who they're playing against, so we may not even get to see Elam have to put up or shut up. He just the coaches probably coaches staff probably like nah nah man shut up get off the get off the field you're not playing no more. Oh that's funny. Um, on offense, uh, you know I saw I saw a name on here, and uh, you know I would have to agree with you. Where'd it go? Hmm. Kim Bet says Davis. That's who, that's who I was talking about. Gabe Davis. Jeez, man. Like, this is another inconsistent guy, man. And I really like Gabe. I really do. Golly, man. Like, bro, can I get some consistency out of this guy? Jeez. And I know, like, at the end of the year, we'll look at his numbers and be like, man, it's pretty good. He's on par with other wide receiver twos from a statistical standpoint. But Bro, like a game-to-game standpoint, he's hit or miss. He is boom or bust, and you cannot really – how much can you trust that? How much can you rely on that? Gabe Davis. Let's look at Gabe. 
so far this season against the Jets on four targets, two receptions, 32 yards. Boom. Against the Raiders, seven targets, six receptions, 92 yards and a touchdown. Boom. Oh, hold on. I said that wrong. Against the Jets, it was a bust. Against the Raiders, boom. Okay. Week three against the Commanders. On four targets, one reception, 35 yards, one touchdown. Bust. Okay. And against the Dolphins, he goes uh, three targets, three receptions, 61 yards, one touchdown. Semi-boom, right? Okay. Against the Jags, he goes eight targets, six receptions, 100 yards, one touchdown. That is the boom, the most boom of his of, of so far of the season, right? And then we go against the Giants, and he's on four targets, three receptions, 20, 21 yards, no touchdowns, bust. Like, this guy is up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up, up two weeks in a row, down. What can we, or how can we rely on that? From a week-to-week standpoint, how can we rely on it? Like, is this going to be the week Gabe booms? And when he does boom, like, is it a boom? Is it like a boom, boom? Or is it like a boom? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what type of boom is it? Like, like let's, let's rate the Gabe Davis booms. How big of a boom is it? You know? I don't know, man. And I like Gabe. Golly, man, I like him a lot. Yeah, I really do. I really do. But when I – jeez, man. I don't know. I don't know. He needs to be on it, though. I need him to put up a shut up. And I need Gabe to be consistent, dude. Consistent. Consistent. I can't have these drops. Like, geez, Louise Gabe. Please. I need him on the list. He's on this list for sure. Okay. DMX says, yo, uh, Gabe Davis generally only gets open. Darren Busted Place. I don't know, like, I don't see him winning a lot of routes, but it is on busted plays. When his busted plays is backyard ball and he gets open along the sideline, but then sometimes you have that occasional when it's like third and long, whatever, and he gets open, Josh throws it to him, maybe across his body, you know, middle of the field, and then he's, like, sliding to catch the ball and he drops it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's opportunities, times like that when he does that. You know who was, you, you know who, you know who was not inconsistent at the wide receiver two position? That was Cole Beasley. That was Cole Beasley. And word on the street, word on the street, was that Cole Beasley asked for his release from the practice squad of the Giants, and it was granted to him. So Cole Beasley is now available. Do we want to go down that path again? Bill's mafia should. I mean, come on now. Like, should should Brandon Bean be looking to call Cole Beasley and bring him back? They did it last year. Would y'all be on board with bringing Cole Beasley back on the squad? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just saying. I thought that was interesting. I don't know, man. You would never. Hey. I don't know. I don't know. Roy Collins says, yo, Beasley's washed. He's washed. Don't need to bring him back. I agree. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking, man. I'm just talking. Uh, Dalton Kincaid has to be on his list, right? He has to. I, he definitely has to. But again, like for me, I, I don't necessarily know if it's his fault. I can't say it's his fault. I think Dalton Kincaid, the issue with Kincaid is not him. It's the OC. It's Ken Dorsey. It's Ken Dorsey, man. It is, he is not 
scheming this brother open. He's not utilizing him well enough to me. In my opinion, he's not. Now, you may want to ask some of the film guys, or some other guys, you know, whatever. They may have a different, you know, answer for you. But, I mean, so far the regular season, 17 receptions, 118 yards. No touch. He hasn't even, he hasn't even, he has not even caught a touchdown yet. And to me, yeah, excuse me, I don't know why my alarms are on. And to me, why are you not utilizing him in the red zone? Why? 6'4", You get Dawson Knox, 6'5", 250, something around there. You've got these big dudes. Why are you not using them in the red zone? And I'm not trying to, like, poop on the red zone because the Buffalo Bills' red zone offense has been nice this year. So I'm not really, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I'm just trying to find ways and, like, reasons as to why Dalton Kincaid is not used as often as he should be. Because when you do use him, I mean, he, he performs. And the guy doesn't drop passes a la Dalton Knox. <laughs> you know? I mean, this dude... <laughs> Let's, 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 just, let's just look at Dawson Kincaid. Catch rate. It's nuts. Week one against the Jets, he went four for four, right? Four targets, four receptions. It's 100%. Against the Raiders, six targets, five receptions, 83.3%. Then he got another 100% against the, against the Commanders, two for two, 80% against the Dolphins on five targets for four receptions, and then two targets, two receptions against the Jags. And then he was out last game against the Giants. Like just throw the guy the ball. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. And that was the talk coming out of Utah. Like the guy does not drop passes. He is a matchup nightmare. When you utilize him, Ken Dorsey. Golly, man, I'm getting upset. I wasn't supposed to get upset. I wasn't. I wasn't supposed to, man. And Scott Blake could come. Yo, he, yo, my sentiments exactly. He says, Kincaid, he gotta break out. Use him, Dorsey. Angry face emoji. Explit, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. They have to utilize this guy. Split him up, detach him from the line of scrimmage, and use him as a slot receiver. And see it work. Run, run, you know, 12 personnel that looks like 11. You know what I'm saying? Do that. Detach him from the line of scrimmage and put that brother in the slot. With Gabe Davis on one side, you know, single receiver on the other side is Stephon Diggs with Dawson Knox in line. Watch that work. And then go on the center. Play action, James Cook. And I'm no OC, man. I'm not an offensive coordinator. So anyway, so I've got I've got Kyrie Elam on my put up or shut up list. I've got Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid to no fault of his own on my put up or shut up list. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? I'm trying to look. Drop it in the chat if there's anybody else that I missed that should be on this put up or shut up list. I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody. Like, I don't know. I mean, could, could a case be made for James Cook? Yeah. James Cook needs to be on this list, in my opinion, as well. And this is because, because, I was trying to say because, and 
I don't even know. Anyway, <laughs> James Cook needs to be on the list because he needs to improve in his pass protection. I think that is the only reason why we saw Latavius Murray start. If James Cook can improve in pass protection, he'll be fine. He needs to put up. He really does. So I need to see my man James Cook, and I like James. I like, I like James Cook, a.k.a. the chef. I like him a lot. I really do. Um, but he needs to get the ball more. I mean, even, even against the Giants, I mean, golly, man. I mean, 14, he went 71 yards. Like, we're talking about five, point, five yards a carry. For the regular season, yo, he's averaging just under five yards per carry. Just under five yards per carry. That's actually pretty good. The Bills need to need to utilize that brother more. Anyway, that's all I have on this put up or shut up list. It is Kyrie Elam with the circle and red highlighter, a red marker, circle, circle, circle. You know what I'm saying? Gabe Davis. I'm kind of putting asterisk next. I'm kind of no, no, he gets one circle. He doesn't get the whole full blown, you know what I'm saying? And then you got Kincaid with the asterisk next to him. And James Cook gets the asterisk also because, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, it could be Ken Dorsey. Kim Bet says, yo, Ford and Settle. Oh, those are good ones because uh, let's just jump right into it, okay? I know we're an hour and 27 minutes into the show, but, yo, let's just jump into it right now. Let's talk about Ford and Settle. This defensive line is going to get tested against the Patriots. You say, Rev, what on earth are you talking about, bro? What are you talking about? I'm talking about in the run game. But you know the Bills' run defense is not very good. Right? We know that. Bottom of the league in run defense, okay? Now, <laughs> we look at the games and like at, at times like they're able to they're able to corral the running backs for the most part. Like we see them like let 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 a running back break loose a couple of times and that kind of skews the stats, but I mean you really can't like you really can't throw that away because it's part of it. Like the Bills defense is prone or or the Bills defense are prone to letting a running back, it seems like anybody, break off a large run. Like almost almost every single game, they're like able to rip off one, right? And that's kind of been their their Achilles heel for the last couple of years. You look at last week, Saquon Barkley, for the most part, like they kind of bottled him up early on. But, man, as the game went on, and, and, and you could probably question Brian Dayball as to why they didn't, why they kind of got away from it. But Saquon Barkley was getting heated up. He was kind of getting ramped up late in that game. And uh, he ends the game with almost 100 yards rushing. When he is the only, he is the only offensive weapon on that team. So, like, the Bills knew that Bar- it was Barkley or nobody. And Barkley still managed to run for 24 carries for 93 yards. Now, when you look at the defensive line, you already have um, you're out Daquan Jones, and then Sean McDermott already ruled out Ed Oliver. So you got your two starting defensive tackles gone this game. One gone for the season, one gone this game. 
do you think for one cotton picking second that Bill Belichick, knowing their offensive limitations with Mac Jones, with a big old horse of a running back in Ramon J. Stevenson, are, is not going to test that defensive line that's missing two of their starters. And we're not talking about just starters for the sake of being starters. We're talking about the guys that were playing at the top of their game. Now you have Tim Settle in there. Come on now, like Jordan Phillips. Like what's going to happen? Like these guys are going to have to step up. They're going to have to step up in this game. And I just think even with Ed Oliver in the game, like the Bills defense, the Bills defense from from their Bills run defense has not been good. So you take him out and you replace him with who? Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle. These guys are going to have to put up a shut up. I would say every single defensive tackle on the Buffalo Bills team right now are going to have to put up a shut up against this because I I can already see it. The Patriots are going to go all out in this run game. Puna Ford, he needs to step up. Like, I didn't even see – did y'all even see him last week? Did y'all hear from him? Like, he had an opportunity – Right, and and I think you know, people were talking about, oh, Puna Fort, man, he's already, he, he's gonna have his opportunity, bro. Like I didn't even hear his name call, I didn't see anything, nothing. So we got Puna Ford, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips. <clears throat> like this could be one of those games where, oh man, if they don't tighten up in the run game, it could be a long one, and it could be a low scoring game because. Because the defense can't get off the because they're getting gashed in the run game. I could can y'all see it happening? I can see it happening. And then and then for heaven's sakes, like heaven forbid the offense again is having another one of their funk games. You know what I'm saying? If the offense does not show up tomorrow, the defense already getting uncomfortably thin at key positions and you're going up against a team that's good that that's that's hungry they're desperate one five you get talk out of new england about bill belichick could be on his way out at the end of the season they're playing for pride they have no trust in mac jones they have no offensive weapons in the passing game but they got a big old hoss of a running back in Ramondre Stevenson, and they see a weakness. They see blood. They smell blood in the water of the Bills' defensive line. Do you think for one second that they're not going to test it over and over and over again? It could be one of those games where, like Brian Lucio comes in and says, Pages will expose. This could be one of those games where our defensive line in the run game is exposed because you got Ramondre Stevenson, right? And then you've got uh, the Bucks run game. And then after that, you've got, you've got Joe Mixon and the Bengals. Like, we got some backs. We'll see. This is the game where we need the offense to really do the thing. 
and I'm talking about get up to an early hot lead, like like hot start, get off to a lead, and keep the pedal on, keep the keep the, you know what I'm saying? Because yo, if the Patriots can grind this game out, they're going to try to grind it out and keep Josh Allen in the offense on the sideline. And if they could do it, that means that they're going to keep the game close. And then Bill Belichick is going to put pressure on the def- on, on, on the Bills' offense, make it difficult. That's what they want to do. And let's talk about it. Hey, let's 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 jump right in. It's a perfect segue right now. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and talk about it. What is it going to take for the Bills to come out with a win? For me, I think. I think right now, the Buffalo Bills offense, this game to me is all on the offense. The offense has to get out of their own way. Figure out whatever issues there are, even if it's Ken Dorsey, getting your mind right, plus execution, all that kind of stuff. They need to figure it out and actually do what they should do against an inferior team, which is make them look like the inferior team. You know what I'm saying? They should do that. Run the ball, play action under center, dink and dunk if that's what it takes. But we know Bill Belichick is like this is probably gonna be off some opportunities against man coverage. They 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 brought JC Jackson back, right? And so we know Diggs has always had his way with JC Jackson anyway against the Patriots. So I'm not even concerned about that. But they 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 short up the cornerback position. At least they're not gonna be just completely exposed. But they have some they have some talent defensively. It's all about the offense being able to do what they do best. The offense has to show up in this game. They have to. If the offense does not show up in this game, I'm going to say it right now, the Bills will likely lose this game. If the offense does not show up, the Bills will lose this game. And that's on my mama. Are we ready to talk about that? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I already said it, but let's get into it, baby. On my mom. On my mom. I put that on my mom. I put that on my mama, baby. On my mama. If the offense of the Buffalo Bills does not show up, they will lose this game. They will. The defense has the ability to completely dominate this Patriots offense that lacks offensive weaponry. But from a matchup perspective, I know Bill Belichick is going to run the rock against a defensive line that is missing Daquan Jones and will miss Ed Oliver. So it is going to be tough sledding for the middle of the Bills defense against this run game. If they come out, I'm talking about the Patriots, and start pounding the ball, and we start seeing five-yard run here, six-yard here, eight-yard here. Oh, boom, he breaks off 12-yard. If we start seeing that early in the game, I'm telling you right now, we just, just get ready. It could, be a, it could be a long game for the Buffalo Bills. If we see that start to happen and the Bills' defense is, 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 is unable to tighten things up in the run game, it could be sayonara. Bills get a surprise beaten, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking about like a, like a beat down, but just just they just get beat down 
you know, physically against the Patriots, who are one and five, who the Bills should walk through. That's why I'm saying the Bills offense needs to show up in this game. If they do not, the Bills will lose. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But let me hear from you all. What kind of what what all my mama takes do y'all have? Apex says, yo, all my mama, I don't trust Dorsey. I don't trust him either, man. I'm trying to give him the bit. I really am trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I really am. Because at times he he shows me something. I'm like, yo, that's a good play. Yo, that's 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 a good design. Yo, that is a good game plan. And it works. Other times it's like, what the heck did you just do? Why did you call that play? Why did you do we're at, we're, we're at the goal line? It's third and goal, and you're and you're in the shotgun running the drop. Like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? What are you doing? You have a six foot five, two hundred forty pound quarterback just bulldoze that thing on. Anyway, there are times and moments in the game where I don't understand what what Ken Dorsey's up there thinking. I really don't. If you get Deontay Hardy, a speed guy, where's the where's the in around? Where's all that? Where, where's the creativity on offense? Where is that? Why why are we not running the ball? A team. Oh, the defense stops. You know, stop, stops them on, on, you know, one series, and then you just completely abandon the run. What is it? Why? Anyway. Anyway. We'll see, Apex. We'll see, man. I'm, try, I'm trying to keep myself calm when it comes to Ken Dorsey. I need to see more out of him. Let me see here. Um, <laughs> all my mama takes. All my mama takes. All right, here we go. Kim Bet says, yo, all my mama five shots with Pierre. Okay. Now, Kim, is that five field goal shots or five touchdown shots? What is that? Because that's a big difference. We're talking about 35 points versus 15 points. Where are we, where, where are we talking about here? You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and we're talking about field goal shots. It ain't going to be, I don't think it's going to be enough. You may have to up that ante a little bit. But uh, if we're talking about touchdowns, 35 points, I'm, I like it. I like it a lot. John Roberts says, yo, if the Bills spread the ball around, Diggs would be open more. Man, I agree with that, John. Like, it cannot be the Josh Allen Diggs show. It, it's, it can't, we saw that last year. And I know people will say, yo, but it still worked. Yeah, the Bills are 13-3. Yeah, I get it, but look at who they played. Look at what happened in the playoffs. Like, we almost lost to a, to a Skylar Thompson-led Miami Dolphins team that came down to the wire. Should not have happened. We got humiliated at home against the Bengals. Because it was the Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen show. It cannot be that again this year. And, and right now, in the past couple of weeks, I've seen it. And I don't want to. I want to unsee it, but I can't unsee it. So the only way I can unsee it is if the Bills put something else on the, on, you know, on the field. They have to spread the ball around. Use Gabe Davis. Figure out a way to do it. Get Kincaid involved in the game. But I don't know how. Do it. You, you're the pro. You, you're getting paid millions of dollars, Ken Dorsey. Do it. It's your second year at offensive coordinator. Do it, man. You're out here talks about you, you know, potentially being in the running for a head coaching job and all that kind of man. Look here. Do it. Prove it, baby. Prove it. That's what I need to see. Prove it. This team has weapons, man. There's no I've said I said it I may have been a few weeks ago, but I said, and I don't even know if it was live on the show or if it was just in a group chat. But I said, if the Bills can continue to play like they're playing on offense, 
and this is just dink and dunk, take what the, def- take what the defense gives you, and then our defense is playing lights out like they've been, the Bills will walk into the postseason without a sweat. It will be a cakewalk. And I believe that when they are on their A game and playing like that, they are extremely hard to beat because I think no team can really beat them head up. I really don't. If you get your team playing your best, playing their best, and our team playing our best, I'm taking my team all day. And that's just not just that's not because I'm a homer. It's because the Bills, when they're when they're that, when they're playing like they are almost impossible to beat. But they beat themselves a lot. And they look like they looked against the Giants. So I, I need to see more out of them. I need to see more out of them. I really do. I got, oh, I love it. Morning Maya and Linda West comes in on her, on her mama. She says, on my mama, Josh finds his legs again. Now, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? If Josh Allen just, he just says, you know what, forget it. I, let me get, let me, let me get the offense out of its own funk by running. He needs to do that. Forget what, forget what Sean McDermott is saying and, and Ken Dorsey, figured, you, you know what I think has really messed him up? It's this new um, mantra, and we've heard Ken Dorsey say it, and we've heard Josh Allen say it. It's, it's play smart, not conservative. That can be misinterpreted, or that can be taken in you know, different ways. Like That can really mess with a guy like Josh Allen who's just, he is who he is, and, he, and, he's, and he's where he, he's at because of, what he's done and because of who he is as a player. But then when you say you'll play smart, not conservative, it's like, all right, you want me to play smart, but then you want me to play not conservative, which means to be aggressive. But when I be aggressive, you're like, that's not playing smart. You know what I'm saying? You see how, you see how, you see how messed up that is? Like, like that doesn't make any sense. Play smart, not conservative. So what are you identifying as me not playing smart? Is it when I try to take over a game and I'm leaping over defenders and I'm running around, I'm taking the game over because our offense is, is, is sucking right now. Is that not playing smart? Okay, well, you say, but, you know, not conservative. So that means that we're being aggressive. Okay, so aggressive to me, as Josh is like, I got, I'm taking this game over. I'm doing what I got to do. But when I do it, it's, you're not playing smart, Josh. You know, you're running the ball and you're taking hits by defenders. That's not smart, Josh. Be smart. But now Josh is like gun shot. And then, and then he's like, he's like leg shot because he's not using, he's not using his legs. So, like, that messaging to me is why we're not seeing Josh do what we know he can do. That, that just messed him up, man. And I get it. He needs to slide more. John Roberts says, yo, Josh needs to slide more. I get it. But, like, but like I think the messaging in him, like, when it goes through his filter, and, of course, I'm not him, so I'm just, like, putting words in his mouth. But for me, I'm like, maybe through his filter, it's like, don't run more. Don't run as much. When you run, oh, man, that's, that's, you know, we don't, they don't like it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I need to I need to slide or whatever. But man, like Josh is like, but me as a player, I need to get popped. I need to take that hit so I can wake up and get him get my juices flowing. But they don't want me to do that. So if I don't do it, it doesn't happen to me. Then I'm like, you know, my juices are not flowing. I'm not in the game. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? So like you have to let this guy just do what he does and live with it. And should he slide when like he's when it's green grass and you know, and he's taking off for 15, 20 yards down the field. And there's no need for him to jump over a defender or lay his shoulder down. Like, he's not like, like yo, I'm, I'm trying to get the first down and it's, and it's tough and I may need to put my shoulder down here. 
this is green grass and like yeah slide there right you know what i'm saying but when it comes down to crunch time and it's yo hey it's third down we need you to go get it and there's a defender coming to probably try to hit you and 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 make sure that you're short of the of the, of the, of the marker like don't slide down don't slide short a la kyle orton you know what i'm saying don't try to go out of bounds short of, no no no. i want you to go get that thing if that means you leap it on the defender or, or lower on your shoulders, so be it. Like, that's who he is, and that's what I need to see from him in those moments. But still be ag- like be aggressive. But the dumb stuff is, like, throwing in the double and triple coverage. That, that, that's the dumb stuff. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe that's what they're saying. I don't know. But you need to check my man's filter. You need to ask me, hey, Josh, you understand it? Like, what, like when we say this, what do you think we mean by that? You know what I mean? Anyhow, that's what I think needs to happen. And I'm kind of scrolling through the chat to see if I see anything else that I may have missed. But we have reached the critical point of this show. This is the time. This this is the time right now <laughs> that we've all been waiting for, baby. And let me put my music on because y'all know what time it is. Yeah, y'all hear it. Y'all hear it? It is score prediction time, ladies and gentlemen. Score prediction time. I need to hear your score predictions now. We've talked about what the Bills need to do to win. We've talked about some on my mama takes and who needs to put up a shut up. Now it's score prediction time. How do you feel this game? How do you feel? Do you feel extremely confident in this game? Do you feel like the Bills are going to go into... Gillette Stadium and beat the brakes out the Patriots. Do you feel it's going to be a close game? Do you feel like the Bills offense is going to come in there and be the Bills offense that we know? Or do you think that we're going to get this Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing? And it could be an, an offensive performance much like it has been the past couple of weeks. What do you think? Score prediction time, baby. Let's get this thing popping. Buffalo Bound comes in and says, yo, 28-15. Bills. That's a two-score lead. I like it. Oh! It's the 40-burger siding. Already, J.K. says, yo, this is going to be light work, baby. Bills 44. Patriots 7. Wouldn't that be a nice get-right game? I like that score. 44-7. If the Bills offense can get right, that's what I'm looking at. That couldn't happen. Morning, Mayan Linda West says 28 to 10 bills. 28 to 10 bills. I feel good about that one. I like it. Apex says it's going to be a close game. It's, no, I'm sorry. I misread that. It ain't, it ain't close. 27 to 10. I thought it said 27 20. But 27 10 bills from Apex. Kim Betts comes in and says, yo, the bills all day are going to crush the pass 35 to 6. I like it. Oh, man. That's what we need, man. We need one of those. Big old blowout games. Josh Allen on the sideline with his hat on. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just been that good of a game. Let me see here. Score prediction, score prediction, score predictions. Fluffy Panda says it's a good day for the Buffalo Bills because they're going to win 32-13. Mark Fowler comes in 41-13, Bills. I'm loving it. Panatha says, yo, 31-13, Bills. Roy Collins comes in and says 27-23. 
close game. Close game, and he's giving the Patriots 23 points. Whoo, man. Wouldn't that be something? Brandon. Cook Rowe says, I'm going to go 28 to 10, but I need to see this offense roll. And I think everybody would agree with you, Brandon. The offense definitely needs to roll. Augustine, the Nabria, 31-0. Patriots ain't even getting on the board, baby. It's a blank blowout, 31 to nothing by yours, the Buffalo Bills. I'm loving it. Dirty Jersey says defense is going to score one. I bet this on his mama. Put that on your mama, man. Dirty Jersey, put that on your mama. I've got Eric Koops coming in. Eric Koops, excuse me. 38 to 10. Bills. J-Dub. Alaskan Mafia, I like it, says, yo, Bills, 37 to 12. Mm, I love it. Oh, upset alert. Upset alert. Brian Lucio or Lucio, forgive me if I completely butchered your last name, but he says, yo, 26-24, Pats. Oh, man. If that happens, get the pitchforks out. Get them out and burn it all. And get the Bills loose to the Pats. Let's hope that does not happen. Kim Bess says, yo, it's a Tyler Bass redemption game. So, Kim Bess, when you, when you said, yo, five shots, he said five shots with Pierre. And then you backed it up by saying Bass Redemption. I'm assuming you're saying that Tyler Bass is going to hit five field goals to win the game. 15. <laughs> oh, man. He does need a redemption game. But I hope, I, hope, I hope that we're not in the red zone five times and we have to go away with five field goals. I hope that is not the case. But I guess a win is a win. Chris 716 says 31-0 Bills. Light work. Light work. Uh, Apex says, yo, the only way the Pats are scoring is from the defense. You never know. Pete says, yo, Patriots haven't scored 20 points all season. 27-6 Bills. That might be the case. It might not. You never know, man. Any given Sunday, you never know. Especially with this high gel, uh, Jekyll and Hyde Bills team. You just never know. But Scott Blakely says, now bump all that. It's 99-0 Bills, baby. And you don't even have to worry about it. 99-0. I love it. Dirty Jersey says, yo, he did put that on his mama. He did put that on his mama. <laughs> I love it. Connor Hanks says, yo, 24-21, Buffalo. I love it. Mark Fowler looks like he comes in with it on my mama. Take defense, gets three touchdowns, and oh, three turnovers and a touchdown. Put it on your mama, Mark. You got to say on my mama, baby. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. Uh, Seth, one-on-one. Says it should be easy. Therefore, it will be hard. Twenty-seven to twenty-three. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. These easy ones, you already know. It's gonna be because it's probably gonna be a close game. Ken Bet says, "Yo, he, yo, Pierre rarely does a shot for a field goal. Yeah, but I mean, he may, he may just be, he may be parched throughout the game, and if the offense isn't really putting up much in the." And the touchdown, you know, uh, uh, side of things, he may get desperate and be like, you know, forget it, yo. The way the offense is playing, I'm just going to go ahead and take my shots for a field goal. I got to get it. I got to get it. He can't He can't have a game with it with an empty shot glass. Pierre ain't going to have that. DMX. 
30, I mean, 24 to 14 Bills. I love it. Scott Blakely, 41 to 9. I love it, Scott. 41 to 9. Dirty Jersey says, yo, where are the likes? That's what I'm saying, man. Where are the likes at, baby? Smash that like if you haven't already done it. Mark Fowler does come through and says, yo, it is all my mama's rev. You already know. LOL. That's what I'm talking about. So now, let me go ahead and get it in here, baby. Let me see here. I said that all my mama for me, if the offense has a poo-poo game again, that they will lose this game. And I'm standing on it. That's all my mama. If the Bills offense does not show up, the Bills will lose this game. It may be a close, low-scoring game, but they will lose it. It just ain't going to happen this Sunday, baby. Hey, it just ain't going to happen this Sunday. There's no way we're going to see it happen three times in a row. It ain't going to happen. The Bills are going to come out this game, correct some things that they need to be corrected, and they're going to come out and be the Buffalo Bills that I see them being, that we all love for, right? We know who they are when they're on their A game. And even though there's going to be just some question marks around the defensive line, especially the interior of that defensive line, I think the Bills are going to be in on the run game and limit Ramondre Stevenson as much as possible from going completely off this game. Will they give up a, a big game, I mean, a big run here and there? Yes, they will. But I think they're going to, by most parts, they're going to limit Ramondre Stevenson. And this game for the Buffalo Bills, the offense is going to get back right. But I don't I don't think the Bills are going to be putting up 30 points. I think that this is, it may, they may be too much a little bit. You know what I'm saying? They may have to kind of easy way on in that thing. And I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills winning this game. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to say Bills 24, Patriots 9. 24 to 9, your Buffalo Bills win this game. They get back, though. They stay on the win column. The offense kind of gets right a little bit here. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think, uh, let me see here. Who's going to score some touchdowns here on this game? We're going to see Tyler Bass redemption for sure. He's going to get one field goal. That's all I'm giving him. I think we can see Dalton Kincaid get his first touchdown of the career, of his career, early career so far. Dalton Kincaid touchdown. Um, Stephon Diggs is going to cook JC Jackson. He's going to get his. And then a rushing touchdown by Josh Allen. That's what I see. Dalton Kincaid touchdown. Stephon Diggs touchdown on JC Jackson. Josh Allen rushing touchdown, followed by a Tyler Bass field goal, 24 points by the Buffalo Bills offense. Nine points given up, 24 to nine. That's my score. And we'll all be happy. We will all be happy. But I'm happy, baby. I'm happy. I'm happy that you guys sat here with your man for almost two hours and you didn't go anywhere. Shout out to you all. Make sure you smash that like, hit the subscribe button on your way out. And as always, baby, until next time, it's your man, Rev. I'll holler at y'all. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the game. Hopefully it's a good game and the Bills come out on the winning column. But until next time, baby, it's your man, Rev. God bless and go Bills.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.